0: Welcome back to the Dear Prudence show once again and as always I am your host Dear Prudence also known as Mallory Ortberg and I am here to remind each and every one of you it is time once again for my annual reminder that it is fine to ruin the holidays already starting to get a lot of letters about garden variety family conflict that has been heightened artificially by the introduction of the phrase, mom says we're going to ruin the holidays, or my sister says we're going to ruin the holidays, or I'm afraid I'm ruining the holidays. And I'm just here to tell you guys, it's made up. It's not real. You can't ruin a holiday. It's just a holiday I get that they can be meaningful and they can represent certain ideas about connection and togetherness or religious observance or family, and that's fantastic. But you also get a long lifetime full of holidays, and it is okay if some of them suck. And it's okay. it's not that They're not like magical days where it is forbidden to fight or be a person or be mad at someone. And you can't ruin them, especially not over something like trying to maintain a boundary or saying you've hurt my feelings, or acknowledging that someone has abused you. None of those things can ruin Christmas or Thanksgiving or Hanukkah. Uh, Those things cannot be ruined by things like holding a boundary. That's not what ruining is. So I just want to give all of you out there in prudence land permission, if you are on the verge of pretending something, lying about something, acting like you're fine with something when you're not because someone has waved over you the specter of ruining the holidays, go ahead and ruin them. Literally the worst thing that can happen is you spend one holiday not with your family that's it. They'll still be alive in January. You can still talk. The holidays don't, I don't know, ferry everyone off to some sort of magical other realm where you never get to come back to earth and hash out your problems in real time and in real life. It's just a holiday. Go ahead and ruin them. Frankly, maybe sometimes they need to be ruined because a lot of the holidays that you guys describe sound like a hostage situation. And I hope very much that you give yourself permission to escape. So with that big announcement out there we're just gonna jump into the show i want to welcome my guest this week anna Pulley, who is the author of the lesbian sex haiku book with cats she also writes an advice column for the chicago tribune's red-eye paper anna welcome i'm so happy to be here thank you thank you for being here have you ever ruined a holiday
1: Ah uh, no, my mother is very much into the brand of Native American spirituality, where she just puts sage on everything, and that is our holiday tradition. So, and you've never ruined that for her? <laughs> no, no, I sage sublimely. Fantastic. Well, I, I'm so
0: glad. I just, just so you know, if you ever do, you have my full approval. Have you ruined a holiday? I've certainly made a holiday or two more dramatic than it needed to be. Absolutely. I've contributed to some real silliness on a holiday. Uh, But I would not go so far as to say that I have ever ruined a special day of the year. No.
1: I really want to hear that story,
0: but maybe that's another time. It's a personal story that I have no interest in telling on the air. But (laughs) suffice it to say that I was 19 and a real dumb jerk. Mm. Uh, and it's all fine now. I'm 30 and a different kind of dumb jerk, and I know how to talk <laughs> about my feelings better, and that's really great. Like, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know, ruin a holiday. You'll have another one next year.
1: That's so true. Right? It's like, so true. I, I just Infinite feel like things to talk ruin. about it in such a way that's like, oh, the holidays. We can't ruin the holidays. It's like, really? Why not? I don't get it. I don't know why there's such emphasis placed on the holidays. At some magical time of right, the year. Right. the magical
0: time where, like, all of a sudden, the the conflict and all the other problems that you have suddenly you transcend them. right? And uh, sometimes that's great. It's great sometimes to transcend things. And sometimes it is time to not transcend anything and to drag everyone down into the muck and to talk shit out. Yes. Yes. So on that subject, we have a letter today about uh, that classic age old question, open marriage, which, by the way, I just want to say so few people write into me to say I'm really interested in the idea of an open marriage. It sounds like a lot of fun. I'd really like to try it actively. It's always my marriage is killing me from the inside. I feel like I'm dying all the time. Do you think an open marriage would help? And it it just always feels so sad. Like, this isn't really why a person should want to be in an open marriage. This is is like you're trying to do triage and you're throwing an open marriage at a bleeding liver or something.
1: Absolutely. So I
0: guess this is my uh, official request would all the people who are contemplating open marriages because they sound like a lot of fun and you're already pretty happy with your partner, please write to me. Just let me know how you're doing, because all I feel that I ever hear from are people who are very sad and want to know if this will save their marriage, and it seems like the answer is
1: no. Yes, I'm the same. This is the most common advice question that I get.
0: Yeah. All right, so given that we have sort of spoiled, uh, (laughs) I think, the direction that we will be coming from, I'm going to go ahead and read this letter, and we'll decide whether or not this person should try an open marriage. Dear Prudence, my wife has told me that she doesn't want to have sex anymore and honestly has never liked it. We've been married for 10 years and have young kids together. We've done couples counseling, had medical workups and tried romantic weekends away together. We have a housekeeping service come twice a week to help out. Anything that I do is met with an enthusiastic response for a few weeks before it drips back down to once or twice a month. I'm only 37 And my wife is 38. On every other wavelength, my wife and I meet up perfectly. We rarely fight. I couldn't ask for a better mom for my kids. I don't want a divorce, and she doesn't either. But when I brought up the idea of an open marriage, she cried like I was breaking her heart. I haven't brought up the conversation again, but I find myself resenting her for this. I feel lied to and used like she's taking our lives together hostage. I don't want to have an affair. I want to have sex with my wife. But if she doesn't want it, what do I do? Do you think an open marriage is the best
1: possible solution here i do not
0: i actually i will say this this seems closer to it than a lot of the other letters i get but yeah there's a pretty big issue here and the issue is that your wife doesn't like to have sex yes like it's not that she's depressed or you're not doing enough to help out around the house or there's some underlying other problem your wife doesn't like sex
1: and another thing that I keep going back to is they have two young children. Yeah. And when my friends who have kids, I mean, some of them didn't have sex for a year after that happened. And the fact that they're having sex once or twice a month is pretty remarkable to me. And I don't think should be overlooked as something like, oh, they're having a sexless marriage.
0: Right. I mean, it's certainly if, if your ideal is closer to once a day, I, I can certainly see why once or twice a month is not good. Mm -hmm. but it's also not uh, never or once a year. But I'm also kind of curious, you know, there's the once or twice a month, but she's saying she doesn't want to have sex anymore and has never liked it. So I'm sort of curious, is the once or twice a month the compromise they're both okay with? Or is your wife really just gritting her teeth to get
1: through that once or twice a month and would frankly prefer to do it no times a month? Exactly. This is what what I I want to know. I have so many questions for this wife And I want to know what kind of sex they are having and if she has ever liked it or if it's him specific. Well, it says that honestly she's never liked it. Which, I mean, okay, and what are you trying? Like, is this just penis and vagina sex? Are you mutually masturbating? Are you doing things that—does your wife come? Like, what are the circumstances surrounding this? Right, yeah, there's
0: there's a lot that I'm kind of curious about uh, in terms of the mechanics of it all, but I think for the sake of answering it, I'm going to just go ahead and take her at face value and assume— at least for me, that's going to be my strategy. I will assume she's heard of masturbating, she's heard of sex toys, they have heard of non-penetrative sex, they've given it a shot, she knows her own mind really well, she does not like sex. If that's your reality, you know, if she's okay with once or twice a month uh, for your sake and it doesn't totally break your heart to have sex with her knowing that she's just doing it for you, you know, that's not a end-of-the-world situation, mm-hmm. that's... I, I hear from a lot of people who, frankly, have been married about as long as you and would love to have sex once or twice a month. Uh, which is not to say, count your blessings, you shouldn't feel frustrated at, at all. But um, I do think it's worth it, given like you have two young kids, you guys love one another, everything else is really good. I, boy, divorce would just not be my first go-to here.
1: No, a, not even close. No, mine neither. Um, some people would disagree with me and you on that. But I think there's too many things that are going well in this relationship. And does he want to restructure his entire life because he wants to get laid more? That's the question that he needs to ask himself.
0: Right. And, and, and I think like that's not to say you can't ever consider it. And certainly sometimes I get similar letters, but that feel more weighted in a specific direction where I'll think like this may just not work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that. I think it's worth revisiting. Like, this is a conversation you need to have again with your wife. Like, put all your cards out on the table. Be like, I did not know you didn't like sex. When we got married, that was not something I knew. And and don't say it in a way that's like, how dare you withhold this from me? It may be possible that she didn't realize this about herself sooner. But just to say, like, I want to have a mutually fulfilling sex life, but only if that's possible. I really want to know what's going on with you. In your ideal yes. life, Do you never? do we never have sex again? Yes. And and yes. find out, like, I know the answer may feel scary, but damn, ask that question.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to approach it from a place of curiosity and not contempt. He's already feeling resentful, so I feel like he might be approaching this in a place of starvation almost, like, I am really, really needing this, and you're not providing this, and how, you know, how can I rectify this situation? And he's feeling desperate and I don't know. That's not a place where compromise comes from. So right, and 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 like to be fair, like it is, it is very understandable that you feel this way. I want to make it really
0: clear. I, I'm not saying that your wife has been, you know, always completely aware of her own feelings about sex and has been lying to you. Like it, it it doesn't sound like that's what you feel is the case. But it's also really okay for you to feel as frustrated as you do because this is really jarring and this is a huge mismatch in terms of your desire for one another. Um, So I think it's really helpful to get a lot more clarity around, ideally, what does our sexual relationship look like to you? And here's what it looks like to me. Are there any points of compromise or overlap? And depending on that conversation, um, you know, I I think you can continue to talk about other options, which is not to say that you just go back and make her cry and say, I'm going to have an open (laughs) relationship no matter what. But, you know, if for her sex is 100% off the table, if she doesn't like it and you don't want to have sex with someone knowing that they are only doing it to humor you, which, frankly, I, I get <laughs> that. I would not I would not want that compromise. Um, then it's at least something you get to talk about, right? I mean, I, I understand why it would feel painful. And, and I understand that just because you feel like you've maybe come to understand yourself as a person who's not interested in sex doesn't necessarily mean that you're super stoked about the idea of your partner sleeping with other people. but. Um, I think it is also fair to say that this is a decision that affects the both of them, her decision not to want to have sex again. Of or course. not that she's made a decision, but that she said, I've never liked it. That's pretty... Damning. <laughs> it, it, that's, that's a statement with a lot of um, ramifications. Yes. Right? Like, it's, it's yes. not as if she said, I never want you to touch me again. But if you know, my wife's never liked it, that's not just going to affect the way you look back at your sexual history together. That's just going to make you feel like, well, I don't want to do that to my wife. I don't want my wife to endure something that makes me feel, like, loved and connected and excited. Like, I don't want that for you. Um, So, uh, again, not to say, like, the open marriage is going to be a great band-aid for this, you know, surprising wound that has opened up in the middle of your marriage, because this is information you didn't used to have about each other. Um, But, you know, I think you do have to have a couple of serious conversations about what do I want, what is acceptable to me, you know, what's good here, which is a lot a lot's good here mm-hmm. and and to talk about what are some alternatives yes. um and you're gonna have to I, yeah, i just i I can't promise you that she's gonna be cool with any form of open marriage, and you may need like to it. decide at a certain point like we've got two little kids, uh, I need to you know. Prioritize other things over my sex life. And there may be other ways that, like, you can have a sexual side of your life that doesn't necessarily involve outside partners, but um, you can still incorporate your wife into, depending on how sex-repulsed she is. Mm-hmm. Um
1: Yes. I'm also curious if this is the first time she's mentioned that she has never liked sex or if that has been something that he's known for a while. It sort of doesn't seem like it. It sort of seems like it came out of nowhere. Like, oh, yeah, I've never liked sex. P.S.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would maybe try the couple's counseling again. Yes. Like in light of this information, not like to, quote unquote, fix her. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be your goal. But between that and the fact that you say we rarely fight, I'm kind of curious, has some of your you know, marriage's happiness been a result of there's been some information that you guys haven't shared with one another.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, And so I would say not necessarily to go with the expectation of we are going to fix this problem. We're going to go to couples counseling until we are having sex the exact right number of times a week. (laughs) And my wife thinks it's fine. Um, But with the goal of regardless of whether or not we're having sex, we love and care about each other and we're great co-parents and we're in love and we want to know one another better and support one another more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be that someday our different sex drives make us realize that we either need to come to an alternate arrangement within our own marriage or part ways, but that day is not now. Right now we are committed to one another and to, you know, remaining a family um, and, and to kind of go with that in mind and to kind of figure out What do we want? Let's talk about some things that we have never discussed before. Yes. And that's kind of going to be the only way you'll get through this together. Oh, this feels like such a rambling, imperfect series of answers. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I would say things are not maybe as dire as they seem. No, Um, I totally understand your surprise at this. But, you know, unless your wife says, you know, I married you knowing deep within my heart that I actually hated sleeping with you. And in 10 years, I was going to tell you and stop forever. It sounds like it's been really painful for her. Like she cried like you were breaking her heart. It does not sound like this is something she's known about herself consciously for a really long time and is super collected about it. It sounds Mm -hmm. like this is new information and it's painful and she feels bewildered and and like she's not sure what she wants and.
1: And who knows how long she's been holding on to that information as well.
0: Yeah, it may be that there's just been this thing at the back of her mind of like, why isn't this working? And right. I care about this person so much and I want I want it to work. And maybe if I just tried something else, maybe mm-hmm. it's just that we just had a kid. Oh, we just had a second kid. <laughs> you know, sometimes it takes a while to figure yourself out. And and I I do have some sympathy for your wife. Um, just because 2017 was the real the year of realizing things, uh, <laughs> as, as, as Kylie Jenner promised us. Um, and it's hard to know things about yourself.
1: It really is, especially when you're taught to not know anything about your own pleasure as a woman, which we are typically not. Um, we don't talk about very much. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you know, my imperfect answer is kind of a combination of your feelings make a lot of sense, I don't think your wife was trying to harm you. I understand that your current situation is frustrating, but I would also say having sex a couple of times a month with two young kids is certainly not catastrophically bad. Um, I think that you and your wife have just started being honest with one another about some of your expectations and desires and honest feelings. And the more you learn about each other, the better off you're going to be. I think a return to couples counseling with this new information would be really helpful. And talk about what you're afraid of. You know, if you're afraid, I'm scared my wife's never going to sleep with me again and that I will never have a sex life and that I will either have to choose sleeping with people or staying in a marriage that's otherwise very satisfying. Like, say that in therapy. Be honest. Be open.
1: Yes. Don't stop having those hard conversations, even if you need to facilitate them with a third person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do this as a team. And then don't sleep with your uh Couples counselor. I'm just, I've seen that movie, right? Like that's coming down the pike is don't sleep with your couples counselor. That's a bad idea.
1: Yes. That's extra advice. That's a bonus advice for you. Yeah.
0: And good luck. Oh, God, I just realized the second letter is so much more intense than the first one.
1: I'm so glad you're reading it and not me. Thank you. And also, I'm very sorry for including it. Dear Prudence, my mother is addicted to men that hurt her. My biological father beat her and went to prison on other charges. My stepfather never worked, but he drank and made my childhood hell. When I was 11, he threw me down the back stairs while our neighbor, a cop, was watching. He was arrested, and my mother did her best to try and get him out, including asking me to lie. I ended up moving in with my uncle and aunt. My mother ended up divorcing my stepfather and then immediately moving on to an awful man, Number three, he took money from both of us, and when I finally asked my mother to choose between us, she told me a child has no right to challenge her mother's choices. I moved in with a friend from my last year of high school. I have tried to help my mother. I have begged her to go to counseling with me, left her books about abuse, turned on talk shows, and pointed out how our lives fit the patterns. Nothing clicks. I have begged her to get help, to stop dating, to talk to anyone, but my mother refuses. She has had bad luck with men, quote unquote. But this new one is a keeper. The same refrain every time. I'm now in my late 20s and live a thousand miles away from my mother. We talk a few times a month and I see her at my aunt and uncle's for the holidays. He will not let her boyfriends come into the house. Last week, I got a call from my aunt about my mother having to go to the ER after her latest boyfriend threw a glass at her head. She asked me why I wasn't upset. I told her I was numb to it all. My aunt told me I was sick and I reminded her my mother watched my stepfather throw me down a flight of concrete stairs and chose to stay with him over me i asked her what she wanted me to do my aunt hung up on me is it wrong for me to accept this is part of me broken i can't stop loving my mother but i know i'm going to get the phone call from the police because she chose the wrong guy again and did not make it out this time
0: that is fucking heartbreaking can we both just lay down on the floor for like 20 minutes
1: before we answer this Yes, please. All right. We're taking a break. We'll be back in 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not only are you not broken, you have done so much work and have so much resilience and so much bravery around this that I feel like you should be applauded and given a hug uh, over the podcast airwaves because, no, there's nothing that you have done wrong. You have done tremendous work on this and you continue to do the work. And you're doing a fantastic job, and don't let your aunt or anyone shame you into thinking that you're handling this um, in an inappropriate way.
0: Yeah, man, the cycle of abuse is so painful to watch, and it is so hard to wait, to see somebody um, who has been victimized by others in turn, victimize their own child. Not necessarily out of a desire to cause harm, but because they are so caught up in the cycle um, and they have so normalized the violence in their everyday life that they cannot care for others um, the way that they should. Like the fact that your mother told you what she said when you asked her to leave her husband is just heartbreaking. And the fact that she tried to get you to lie after seeing a man push you down the stairs, uh, uh, of course you feel numb. And it's not because you don't care about your mother. It's not because you want her to suffer violence. It's very clear from your letter that you have enormous compassion and sympathy from your mother. But what you have witnessed repeatedly is a level of violence and trauma so profound. uh, Anyone at a certain point would feel not a sense of. I don't care about her anymore, but just, I can't keep responding with the same level of emergency every time because it happens so often. It no longer feels like an emergency. It feels normal.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's so devastating that you've had to endure that over and over. And I'm surprised, frankly, that your aunt and uncle, especially since he won't let the boyfriends into the house. Right. Like, they know what's going on.
0: Well, and that's part of what's so hard, right, about, like, family patterns of abuse. is is So often there's somebody who falls into this kind of scapegoat role, and it's often somebody who has been pretty directly victimized for the most vulnerable. And there's this sort of sense of it is your responsibility to smooth things over, to maintain ties, to do the emotional labor, to clean up the mess afterwards. And I'm not saying that they've been doing that to you this whole time. It sounds like in a lot of ways, they've been really helpful to you. And I'm really glad. But their sort of insistence that you produce a response that they can understand and to suggest that there's something wrong with you. For the fact that you have, like, secondhand
1: violence fatigue, that's not okay. No. No. And, you know, the fact that you've done all this work to heal and to address the trauma and to address the abuse is incredible and should not be discounted. And I'm
0: really glad that you live far away. Yes. I'm really glad that you live far away. And, you know, frankly, if you feel like these holidays... You are not up to making that trip back home. I hope you give yourself so much permission to do anything else, literally anything, literally anything like I think you have um you know a of all uh, you're all adults at this point, but you know you you were your mother's child, you cannot be responsible for her well-being and you have done so much in terms of trying to encourage her to access help and support and you can certainly still let her know that you love her and that if and when she ever decides to access any help and support you will be there for her but if you need to set limits in the meantime if it's talking a little bit less than a few times a month if it's occasionally doing something else for the holidays please give yourself permission to live your own life and take care of yourself and it, there's nothing you need to do with your with your aunt. You are set there. I'm so glad that you pointed out, it's not that I don't care about my mother. It's that I have seen this repeatedly and I have suffered violence and, and, and the adults in my life failed to protect me from it. Like, good on you for saying that. You do not owe your aunt an apology. Um, you are not broken. Um, no. You are responding completely sanely to an insane situation. Yes.
1: Keep doing it. It's working.
0: <laughs> yep. No, and I'm so sorry. I wish I could say there was something you could do or say that would help your mother, uh, you know, seek a different kind of help uh, or, or, or convince your your aunt that you are not um, being careless or, or, or thoughtless or, or selfish. Um, but but I, I, I can't, you know, you, this is so cliche, but you cannot help somebody who doesn't want help. No. And you're seeing that firsthand. And you are doing so beautifully. You are so clearly a caring and compassionate person. If nothing else, please know it is very clear from your letter. It is not that you don't care about your mom. It is not that you think she should be harmed, but that you are very aware that there is nothing you can do for her as long as she stays in the situation that she's in. And good luck. Just, I hope you have a peaceful, relaxing holiday somewhere, even if it's just at home reading a book. I just am envisioning you somewhere quiet like a cup of coffee and a, you know, small animal of your choice or no animal (laughs) nearby and just a book that you're enjoying reading. And no one's yelling. And that's what I want for you. No one's throwing glass at your head. Hopefully. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope that that is what your holidays look like. Yes. All right. This next one is weirdly... Uplifting afterwards, if only because I feel like there are some options, even though the subject matter is is certainly distressing. The subject line is vintage sexism. Dear Prudence, after living most of my life in moderately progressive communities and working with men and women of all stripes, I am now living in an over 50 community of mostly retired people. I feel like I've stepped back into the 1970s when it comes to gender stereotypes. Most of the community boards are all male, social clubs are split along traditional gender roles, and demeaning jokes and degrading treatment of women is the norm. The most recent example of this was at a meeting with five women and three men. One of the women had recently had some minor facial surgery and had a small bandage and some bruising. The president, who was male, walked into the meeting late, saw her, and began making jokes in a booming voice about having been hit by her husband. She responded simply by stating what sort of melanoma she had had removed. He continued to joke about abuse, and everyone except me laughed, or at least demurely twittered. I wanted to say, shut up, you moron. But if I had said anything, even something that might have been considered perfectly appropriate in the real world, in this community I would have been ridiculed, and nothing would change. I know that eventually they'll all die off and younger people will move in. What can I do to make my involvement in this community more tolerable and maybe even affect a little change?
1: This actually made me laugh out loud. Pray for death was the answer yeah. that you came up with. And this leads into my advice, which is you're funny and you need to joke back with these men. You can't just let them sit there and make cancer into an abuse. Joke. You have to sass them right back. Also,
0: I was not in the 70s, but, like, good lord, when someone shows up having recently gotten a cancer treatment, did people really go around making spousal abuse jokes? Because if so, the 70s sucked.
1: (laughs) I also was not in the
0: 70s, so I can't attest to that. I look forward to getting some emails from people who were around in the 70s letting us know what Mm. was up. But good lord, I really hope that that was not super common. Yes. Man. Um... I have a slightly different take, which is move. What the (laughs) hell are you doing here, buddy? Like, this place sounds awful. What do you, like, you don't say you have to live here because of a partner or that you otherwise love the location of your house or that you can't uh, afford to uh, leave. So, you know, assuming that none of those are a factor move, my friend. Like, this sounds terrible. I, you know, you don't have to be part of some lousy HOA and be on the board of some, I don't know, like, pool measurement subcommittee that makes sure everybody's pools are all the same size. Like, this sounds like a bullshit place to live. And you shouldn't live here. I hate it. I hate it for you. If you don't have to be here, I mean, it's very noble of you to try to, like, fix all these, like, grumpy old jerks. But you're only in your mid-50s. You got a lot of life ahead of you, assuming, you know, that you're, you know, not on death's door already. Like, no, don't wait for these people to die. And don't sit around trying to convince a bunch of old assholes who think that joking about domestic violence when somebody has cancer is funny to, like, change their ways. Like, fuck these people. Get the hell out. Move somewhere progressive and awesome. Um, Or just... Yeah, somewhere that's not a retirement community where you're, like, looking in everybody's windows being like, I can't wait for you to die. You know, like, I don't want that for you. You deserve better than that in your retirement. This sounds like a nightmare. Like, the entire room was laughing. Get out. You know, just get out of here. And yet maybe. Bail.
1: Okay, so she's fighting, like, an entire generation, right, of men and Uh, They've grown up with this misogyny, that this is okay, and it's okay to make these comments. And so if she moves, who's to say that it's not going to happen again, it's not going to happen, you know, with sort of a different slant, a different flavor of sexism? I mean,
0: I got to say, I've lived a lot of places, and... I've never gone into a meeting where that's happened. I don't think
1: this is. Have like, you lived in a retirement home? I have not. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> you know, it is true.
0: I don't know. It's possible that this person needs to live in an assisted living facility. Um, there's some sort of service that they need to access. And and if that's the case, uh, you know, I want to be mindful of that. But at the same time, I know old people. I have a grandmother. She is an older woman. We come from different times and places. She doesn't pull shit like this. You know what I mean? Just because someone is old does not mean that they are a total monster with no idea of how to behave. Like, the letter writer says, in the real world, even kind of sexist people know that sort of behavior doesn't fly. But I know that here, if I were to speak up, I would get laughed at. And you can't fight that battle by yourself. And you shouldn't have to. Um, This is not... Please do not spend the next, like, 20 to 30 years of your life in retirement trying to fight this battle with a bunch of jerks. Like, there are progressive assisted living facilities. I mean, there are elderly lgbt people we've got retirement communities of our fucking own now like we um, do it's true we do and it's awesome and i plan on living in one someday it's gonna
1: be rad it would be Uh, a blast i did a reading at one once and it was phenomenal oh tell me about it i read lesbian haikus at uh an lgbt retirement but of course you did did (laughs) they enjoy themselves they did that's wonderful they did they actually got Almost all of the references, which was fantastic. So I'm probably secretly eighty five. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yes. maybe move to one of those places. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, if you can't move, if moving is not feasible, I, I, I gotta say, my advice is just cut way back on your involvement with these dumb committee meetings. I can't imagine that this is about something that's very dear to your heart. I have to imagine this is stuff that you kind of got roped into doing. Like, oh, we're. Arguing about how often everyone has to clean their gutters. It's very important that I yell about domestic violence and make everyone rake their lawn. Um, And I would just say, minimize your contact with these people. If someone says something really out of line, absolutely say something about it. Go for it. Even if they laugh at you, fine. Like, these are not people whose good opinion you should be courting. But yeah, make your social life elsewhere. Do not spend any more time than you have to with these, like, old monsters. (laughs)
1: All right. Your turn, right? Yes. Subject, get out of my hair. God,
0: age is such a theme today. I wasn't expecting it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just noticing.
1: (laughs) Dear Prudence, I'm a woman in my 40s, involved with a man seven years my junior, and I'm happy. This appears to be a crime against nature for my family and friends. I make much more than my partner, but he's hardly struggling to get by. He's attentive, attractive, and funny. We go out dancing, to the theater, and travel all over the country. I am happier now than I have been in years. My family thinks I'm being taken advantage of. I think they are all hypocrites. My brothers are 9 and 12 years older than their wives. Pointing this out upsets their egos, and they insist it is not the same. I have tried being gracious. I have tried being firm about, uh, but at what point can I ask them, do they think me stupid, naive, or just that ugly? I am tired of the concerned comments and sidelong glances. I have no desire to subject either my partner or myself to their Midwestern tutting while they hit me up for donations. So Susie can go to her French class to Paris, or Scott can go to soccer camp. I do love my family, but I don't like them very much right now. Do I lay down the law and give them one more chance, or just go to Hawaii with my partner for Christmas? Ruin
0: those holidays! Ruin those holidays! I am cheering in here go to Hawaii fuck that noise I'm cursing a lot friends I ran out of nicotine gum this morning and I am
1: on a razor's edge yes that is such an easy like please go to Hawaii don't even don't even consider it that's not a question like
0: seven years you're in your 40s like who cares no that's. I mean, sure, it's an age difference, but it's not like turn your head on the street age difference. It's not And like, even if it
1: was, that's not their business. That's your life, your partner.
0: Right. No, if he were, you know, 20 years your junior, it would still not merit this level of constant. I mean, I'd, I'd certainly like check in if somebody in my family was dating someone 20 years their junior. But if I felt reasonably assured that they were both competent adults who were having a good time, I would just be like, well, that's not for me. Best of luck with your whole deal um that they cannot stop bringing this up and that they're like my god seven years younger he's only in his mid-30s he must be some sort of gold digger or con man or flim flam artist like what he's like a traveling snake oil salesman he's gonna steal all your coat hooks and go on the road like what the hell like seven years is just it's this nothing. is not a Henry James novel, you guys. This is no, not it's Washington not even Square. Yeah. No. Your family are assholes, and I hate them, and I want to put them on crappy family island with everyone else <laughs> who's written to me this week. um Your family is nonsense. This is no longer up for discussion. Um, no. From now on, if they bring it up, you just get to say, let's not discuss it. And if they keep discussing it, you get to say, I'm going to go. You're just done. You're done with that now. That's canceled. That's over. You're done talking about the fact that your boyfriend is in his mid-30s and you're in your early 40s. Holy shit. You were a little older when you saw the Challenger explosion. (laughs) He saw it in high school. You were in college. You heard about it between classes. I don't mean to make light of the Challenger explosion, by the way. I just mean, like, this is ridiculous. Your family is ridiculous. If they keep making concerned comments, just bail. Bail and get the hell out. Go to Hawaii. Have a great time. Cut your conversations with them short. Um, do not give their crappy children money to go uh, yeah, to Yeah, stop giving dinners. them
1: money. Like, that's really what this issue is about. It's not about her, like, oh, her crazy age gap with yeah. her partner. Yeah. It's like they want access to her resources, and someone else is taking them, quote, unquote, Exactly. From
0: her. They're the ones who want to take advantage of you financially. Yes. Let's make that incredibly clear. So you say you've tried being firm good news is you can get a whole lot firmer and just say no to stuff. Um, And don't get drawn into an argument. If they're like, I want money for Susie to go to Paris, just be like, nope. And they'll say a bunch of stuff and you'll just say, yeah, I'm not going to argue about this with you. The answer's no. And let them throw their fits. Like either they will get over it and become nicer and you will get to have pleasant conversations with them about other things, or they will die on this stupid, stupid hill. And frankly if that's the hill they want to die on then they should in and crappy then you can island. Climb this hill with your super great 37-year-old boyfriend who's totally hot and loves to dance and travel with you and is fantastic and you guys should just go to Hawaii and have a great time.
1: Have a great time in Hawaii. Buy
0: him a diamond. Honestly like buy him a diamond. I'm not even joking. Buy him a yacht. We, Buy him everything. Yeah. Yeah. Flaunt it. Deck him with jewels. <laughs> Get like a crown for his dick. I don't know. Whatever it is that you guys are into. All right. I, I front-loaded the podcast with a lot of difficult things, and we have just been getting sillier and sillier as time has been wearing on. And we are finally at one of the more absurd letters I've had in a while. Um not that the letter writer's concerns are absurd, merely that the situation is pretty pretty wacky. So the subject line is simply Master of Disaster. Dear Prudence, I've known Jane since college. She had the nickname Master of Disaster, not to her face, because she's the most absent-minded, clumsy, accident-prone person I've ever met. I've lost count of the number of times she's locked herself out of the apartment, left her purse on the bus, overslept. By age 25, she'd totaled two cars and set her apartment on fire. She's also the kindest, most compassionate person I know. Our circle of friends are very protective of her, and no one mentions her affliction. A few years ago, I was bottle feeding a litter of orphaned kittens. And you know what? I don't normally do this, but listeners, be aware that something bad happens to an animal in this letter. So if that's not something that you can handle, fast forward right now. A couple years ago, I was bottle feeding a litter of orphaned kittens, and she came to see them. I warned her several times that the kittens were little and moved very quickly, but once she got up to take a picture, stepped on a kitten, and it died. I was heartbroken, and she was horrified. I know it was an accident, but it took a long time for our relationship to heal. Fast forward to today. I have a two-month-old daughter. Jane came to see the baby and wanted to hold her. My reaction was immediate and visceral, and I said no a little too forcefully. Jane was mortified. I tried to excuse it as new mother jitters, but she left soon after. The problem is that I've let others hold the baby, and of course they've posted about it on social media, and Jane has seen the photos. I feel awful. How do I apologize without coming right out and saying it was because she is so inattentive and clumsy that I was afraid she would drop the baby? Hey, Evol, well, say it. Holy smokes. Say that that's why. Yes. Yeah, your whole circle of friends has never mentioned to Jane, Hey, by the way, have you ever noticed you set your apartment on fire and totaled cars and have a real problem with space and material objects
1: kill a kitten once shame on me i mean wait shame on you
0: (laughs) no i mean she's not doing this on purpose it's not that jane is a bad person but of course you should acknowledge her affliction why what good is it doing to pretend that this doesn't happen
1: yes yes and okay so maybe you're reaction was a little excessive. Maybe it was a little too visceral. And if you feel like you should apologize for that, feel free. But, you know, I think it was completely understandable considering this woman's history of burning things to the ground and killing live Creatures um, that you don't want to put your baby in her arms.
0: Yeah. And and I think this is kind of where the let's never mention Jane's affliction. This is where it led all of you. Right. Because the plan was we never talk about this with Jane. But oftentimes people like to make smaller people with one another. And those small people are very vulnerable, and they have a big hole in their skulls. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that, like, a baby can't survive occasionally being dropped. Uh, babies are also weirdly resilient. But, like, this was going to come up, you know? Like, life gets more full of fragile things the longer you live. You get generally either nicer things or babies or animals. You collect more responsibilities. Um, this was always going to become more of an issue, not less. So... You should talk about it with her. She probably already knows. Like, I don't think she's surprised that she's pretty clumsy. And I want to acknowledge here it's possible that there's some sort of underlying medical condition. Um, maybe. And it, it may be worth throwing that out there. I I can't think of any that it might be, but it certainly maybe. be. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. For you to say, Jane, I'm really sorry that I snapped at you the other day. That's not how I wanted to say it. I was really anxious because, you know, I know we haven't talked about this before, but I think you and I both know you have a history of breaking things and being very clumsy. And I just had a baby and I'm very anxious about people holding her. Um, So I'm so sorry that I snapped at you. I wish that I had instead said, you know, you can't hold her, but like come over here and like, you know, hold her hand as I hold her. Like there's plenty of ways that she could interact with your baby. It's not like you have to keep her a football length away, right? Um, you could just say, you know, for right now, I would prefer that you didn't. And she sounds like a kind, compassionate person. I think she'll right. be okay with that.
1: She'll understand. Yeah. Just and apologize it, for your, like, sort of excessive reaction, and it's going to be fine. She'll forgive you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, it may be that this is one of those things that she kind of knows about herself but is genuinely surprised to find out is a problem that other people have noticed. Like, Obviously, what you've described sounds pretty over the top, but never underestimate somebody's ability to think that a big problem is, in fact, a small problem that no one really cares about. So, like, be prepared. She may be really surprised and hurt. Um, and as long as you make it really clear, you're not saying that you think she is, like, a selfish or a terrible person who tries to cause harm. And you're not saying, I never want you to be around my child because I believe that you carry the specter of death in your hands. <laughs> you're just saying, you're really accident-prone. And as long as my infant is an infant, I'm probably going to want to be on the safer side. It's okay if that hurts her feelings a little, as long as you're kind in the way that you say it. And she can move through that. She's an adult. She can be like, oh, man, that's hard. I maybe didn't think this was as big a problem as you seem to think it is. This makes me feel self-conscious. And that's okay. That feeling will pass. If she is a good friend and she does care about you and you do genuinely apologize for snapping, um, then I think you guys can find a way forward. Absolutely. And, and, like, it's okay to say, like, I know you didn't mean it, but it was really hard for me when you crushed the cat. And, and it took a long time for us to come back from that. And I love and value our friendship. And I certainly would not want anything like that to happen again. Um, and I know that you do not intend to do those things, but it does make me anxious.
1: Yes, as it would to anyone.
0: Yeah. So the whole we don't talk about this with Jane, that's not working. That's no. not working for everybody, um, and it's certainly not working for Jane, frankly. So go ahead, have that conversation. Trust that Jane cares about you. Trust that you care about Jane. And, uh, man, if I had a baby, I wouldn't let Jane hold that baby either. You know? <laughs> like, there's just such a thing as tempting fate.
1: Yes. I yes, it's not worth the
0: etiquette. It's like handing your your baby to Bella Swan from Twilight, because she was always also falling. She was a big faller, that lady. <laughs> um she would like fall over a waterfall or something and then your baby would be gone and that's Mm -hmm. no good what a timely timely reference those (laughs) books are 10 years old (sighs) my friends it's really been a day Anna you've been such a gift I wish the people could see the beautiful like journal that you brought in with handwritten like in words written by a pen on paper notes it's beautiful i'm going to start demanding that all of my guests bring in their notes in longhand preferably copied with a, a quill um, thank you so much thank you for your help for and advice me. and uh, please let me know the next time that you're doing a reading at an lgbt retirement center
1: i will call you because i want to go i'll call you on a landline oh. from my rotary phone that sounds amazing i will answer <laughs>
0: and um, i will tell my brother to hang up the phone on the other end it's gonna be amazing thank you so much of course thanks for listening to dear prudence our producer is audrey dilling our theme music was composed by robin hilton don't miss an episode of the show head to slate.com slash dear prudence to subscribe if you want me to answer your question call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR that's 3327 and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show